Are you ready? Welcome to Radio Grognard, King Size, the OSR podcast with more stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi folks, old man Grognard here, hope you're all doing well, it's a nice day. Well, little bits and bobs about OSR, gaming, etc. And we will get into that right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, um, first thing I want to talk about is leveling. Well, not leveling, but levels. Now, I, I understand that most of my old school contemporaries and other people feel that there's a certain sweet spot in D&D. And there is. Because it's, it's some people say it's like, I don't know, five to seven or eight or something like that. And we have these we have these games like say Beck Me D and D, which goes up to thirty six level. Original one E was twenty levels, and then you have also like fifth. You know the current edition is twenty levels, I believe. I think, um, but I am a proponent of lower level caps. I mean, I'm not talking about you know demi human level caps. I'm talking about level caps. Boom. And to me, and if you remember back in the BXD&D day, days, they went to 14th level, which I thought was pretty good. But to me, 12 is the, that is the best level cap for me, for all the creatures. I get this from, I, I saw this in action and when I last, when I ran Hyperborea the first time, we had a campaign going. And I ran it and... People were done. They never got to 12th level. They they didn't. And like my grandson was really was really stressed out because he wanted a Pegasus. <laughs> and he could only get it when he was like 11th, 12th level or something like that. Because he wanted a Pegasus and a Lance and do flying charge Lance maneuvers. But w- the game kind of stopped before then. I think it stopped at 10th level or something like that. But it was great because people were like, they were advancing. They were getting better at stuff. They were, de- their characters were, were deepening. They, they just enjoyed it. They enjoyed, they enjoyed the journey. That's the whole point of the game. The, the players have to, including the GM, they have to enjoy the journey to get there. Now, I recently watched a YouTube video on Bandit's Keep where he talked about how to get more modern players into like OSR style game. Well, to me, you know, when you think about it, OSR, it's just a name. And, and, you know, these people who like to play older editions, they've always been around. It's just that they've now put a name on it and it is a movement. Because I remember going to cons and seeing these old guys who only play first edition AD&D and all that kind of stuff. And fine. I mean, 
you know, the, the TSR guys that are still around, like Tim Kask, he has his own version of White Box that he runs. Same with Frank, Frank Menzer. And, you know, they, they've been getting along with this for years and years. Like I said, they're always going to be around. Anyway, I get off the point. So, anyway, I think 12 levels is enough for any character. They can retire after 12 levels. Because they're just, some people, they have to get into the stratosphere like that. There are people who enjoy immortal-type play or those, those kind of things. You know, there's a reason why, why Frank took Beck me to 36 level, because he really likes playing immortal style, which is okay. I mean, that's cool. But the, the rest of us like to struggle a bit, at least in my, in my interpretation, in my, in my opinion, from what I've seen. People like to build those characters. And yes, they die more frequently, but what are you going to do? Like I said, like, like Bandis keeps said, like he said, you should, you should start them at third level. You know, then they get a little taste. Of, like he said, then they get a little taste of it. And then the next time campaign they play, says, okay, we're going to go back to first level. Not wrong with that. To me, that's a great way to go. So level caps around 12 levels if you you're playing in my game even if it has higher levels say I'm playing like rule cyclopedia D&D I'm probably going to like okay guys um let's let's end this or just plan you can plan the campaign out to end at those levels you can do that and it would work great so I'm kind of I'm kind of on on that kind of on that kind of kick you know, if you ever play with me, I mean, you'll have a heck of a good game. If you, ever play, you know, if you ever play my games. But like I said, I like it better with the lower levels. Uh, I got a lot of stuff out of out of Bandit's Keep this this time. I mean, as far as like just getting him used to, like he brought up a good point. Yes, first level characters only have a few hit points. And they can be one-shotted by powerful critters. But at the same time, they can one-shot the critters because they're tougher. They have armor. They have things like that, sharp swords, other things. And he also pointed out, yes, the 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 uh, wizard only has one spell, but you got to think of it as ammunition, as he said. He says, yeah, one uh, first-level wizard with a sleep spell, whoop-de-doo. Well, yeah, it is a big deal if you can get a whole squad of orcs to fall asleep. Then your pals just go in there and, you know, slip their throats. That's a big deal. Yeah, you can only do it once a day. But you say that thing, it comes in really, really handy. So there are uses for wizards. I mean, there's for that one spell wizard. Personally, when I play a wizard, I always like to get a staff. Whether it's magical or not, I want a staff because I tr we treat it like a quarter staff. So my, your wizard, to me, wizards should not be completely defenseless with that, with only have spells. They shouldn't always just, oh, I've got one spell and that's it and I have no armor and that's the way it goes. Look, at some time, no matter how far back you are in the party, something's going to come at you. 
say that the one of the bigger ones fights his way through to get to you, say a stray arrow hits you or magical effect or something like that. And you should have a little bit more, you know, a little bit more junk in the trunk than just a spell. I mean, yes, it, it, you know, you're a wizard. You don't have much, you don't have much, um, you don't have much, you don't have any armor, uh, and things like that. That's also, I, I would also recommend with wizards to have a high dex because that will help you. A high dex and a high con because you can always use a couple more hit points and dex if the GM is any kind of, you know, reasonable, he'll let you make a dex roll to get out of the way of certain things. Certain things. I mean, you can't get get you can't get out of the way of everything. But the point the point I'm trying to make is try and try and stack your character so he has the most edges he can get on the situation. Because, you know, just having a quarterstaff, you know how to use a quarterstaff, you could at least get a shot or two in before if they take you, you know, if they do take you out, at least you're going to get a shot or two in. You're going to, you're going to be doing that and you're defending yourself because when it comes to, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if you're cornered, you have to defend yourself. So more, I feel that wizards and, you know, like those kind of characters, they really do need something other than a spell, even if they can't wear armor. I mean, to me, um, I don't remember what level it is, but as soon as I get the armor spell, you know, I'm going to take it. I'm going to, you know, that's going to be my armor. But until then, go on the offensive if you have to. A good offense is always good to have. So, just, you know, kind of remember that when you make a wizard next time, if it is allowed. He also talked about emergent storytelling, which is what a lot of OSR does. Um, that is also, I'm not going to say it's also known as, but it refers to, it could refer to a sandbox campaign or a hex crawl or a point crawl or something like that, where the story evolves naturally. Yes, it's a little more work for the game master. Because you got to have these plot hooks all over the place. But at the same time, it just something they naturally gets, they, they naturally get involved with something, if you know what I mean. You know, because there are a lot of linear, you know, there's a lot of linear adventures out there that you can just plop in there and see if they bite. There are a lot of linear adventures because. It's just, you know, it's easier for people to publish to me. They're just easier for people to publish. So you gotta, you gotta just, if you're gonna do that kind of storytelling, which I love, by the way, what you have to do is have the plot hooks out there. And then when they bite, okay, this is where it becomes crucial. If they bite on a plot hook, have at least one thing, other thing to happen in that plot hook in that, in that storyline, because, you know, you don't want to go, oh, we're going to investigate this. And then you have nothing. And you have to fly by the seat of your pants and find like that, which is all well and good. I like doing that, but you know, I would like a little, you know, a little ammunition just before, you know, all you have to do is go through your plot hooks. Okay. Look at areas, go through your plot hooks 
And then think, what would be the natural progression of this? What would be the natural progression of this plot, this, this scenario? It just it could be as simple as an encounter. It could be as simple as somebody passes information along with them and they have to go find whatever they need to find, whatever the MacGuffin is. And that is, then they're off, you know, they go off on a journey. You know, it could be that kind of thing. It could be as little as running into an NPC. And the NPC gives them, a, maybe give them a little more information. That's all you need. Then once they start playing it, now you can either do one of two things. Fly by the seat of your pants, go from there. If you have a lot of session time left or whatever, or if if that's the session, then you have however long, a week, a month, two weeks, whatever, to come up with something more. And that's what you do is come up with. This is what GMs do. Come up with something more. So they have something to do. And it wouldn't be, it wouldn't behoove you. It wouldn't be bad idea to find out what the ending is, or at least your idea of the ending, because the ending is, is kind of important. Um, now, the ending may not happen the way you think it's going to happen, but you have to have something to go on. I mean, I always, you know, I did that, and okay, I need to develop something more. What is the, what is the outcome of, what would be the, the ideal outcome for me? And I would put that at the end, and I would just make things with my eye on that ending and see how I can develop things. through. I love developing things through whatever the players give me. And whatever the players give me is usually pretty good. Um, I'm saying this for my own groups, but I suspect that there are a lot of good groups out there that will give GMs a lot to work with. So you see, what did they do last time? What is coming up and what's the end? And that's pretty much how a campaign happens. I don't know how many times... I've heard Carlo in our Monday game, Carlos, and th this is a 5e game too. I don't know how many times I've heard him say, well, you guys, wow, you guys didn't do anything I thought you would do. I didn't know it was going to go this way. He has another group on the weekend that he runs that, that probably are same scenarios. And he says, he always says, the other group did this. This is how this turned out. And so it's always fascinating to me to see how different groups will deal with things differently. And that should be like a really, that's a really good thing. And it just, it just spurs me on to, to make something that I look at. It's, it's almost like you create a drawing. Okay. Think of it this way. Comic books. You have, a script guy, you have an inker and a penciler. Each one's going to do their own thing within the confines of that script. Now, I have the script. You give it to the penciler. He's going to pencil out stuff, you know, action, the panels, things like that. And the inker is going to come along and ink those, those pencils. But both the penciler and the inker have their own ideas of how it should be. Uh... And so the product will come out as like a collaboration between the two or the three of them, because you do have to have a, you do have to have a story, 
But that's the way I feel about it between the GM and the players. It's like, okay, the story went left. I thought it was going to go right. Fine, let's go left and see where it goes. I mean, you know, what could happen? What could happen? <laughs> I don't want to think about it, but what, you know, what could happen? Well, let's find out what happens next time we sit down at the table. So that's the kind of mindset you sh- I feel that a GM should have. A, what's going to happen next? Stick around and find out what happens next. Because, you know, if they do something unexpected and I got to, you know, I got to like, you know, fly by my seat of my pants and, you know, kind of, and once again, it's a tennis game. They, they lob some, I lob something to them. They lob something back. It might not be the same angle or trajectory that I wanted him to, but hey, I'm going to, I'm going to bat it back. But that's the thing that gets, it gives me the tingles, gives me the tingles when I'm sitting behind that screen going, oh yeah, okay, they're going to do this. And you know, there's nothing wrong. Uh, we need a, I need a 10, we're going to take a 10 minute break, 15 minute break, and then just sit there and go, okay, how can I do this? Fine. Okay, fine, fine. We're back. All right. So, Let's let's say the the ogre falls down, but gets right back up because he's undead. And then that's a new problem they have to deal with. So and if that changes something that's gonna happen in the future, or if it changes if you have to retcon something, I'm saying if you have to retcon something, do it. But don't make a habit of it. But this, you know, if that's not going to affect what happened before or what happens next, go ahead and do it. Because, you know, you just if you're fly, if you're flying, you're flying. Because you know what? As far as retcon or anything like that goes, you got like a week or two weeks or a month or however long it, it takes to get another set for another session to fix stuff. If you need to fix stuff. And that is if you need these. See, these are all rules to me. Like if you need to fix stuff or retcon or anything, I always feel these rules should be like on the wall in a glass case and says, in case of emergency, break glass. And you only do it that way. It's like having a fire extinguisher or a fire hose near you. Just in case something happens, you know, that you can't deal with and you should be able to deal with it. Anyway, I think you guys get my point. Those are a few random thoughts about gaming in general, OSR in particular. So I got to go start my day. So if you guys want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognard at gmail.com or drop a voicemail on Anchor. We are monetized. So as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program. And I would thank you for single donations. Go to my Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash oldmangrognard or my PayPal tip jar, paypal.me slash oldmangrognard. Let me thank these people who do give to me monthly. Gilbert Soares, Juan Carlos Llewellyn, Benjamin Brodell, John Aaron Allen, John Allen Large, <laughs> and Aaron. For other good podcasts, we have Dan Gregg's The Young Y-U-N-G Young Grognard Podcast, Kevin at the Red Caps Podcast, Daniel Norton at the Bandits Keep Podcast, Randy and Joe's Biggest Geekest Podcast, Big John Allen Large's The Red Dice Diaries, and my friend Eric Tinkar's Tavern Chat. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. You got questions? You got comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. 
Tune in next time when Radio Grognard King Size is on the air. <laughs>